really, really fun for me. I've, uh, I've just dreamed of this moment, quite honestly, and just thought to myself, I'm coming back, and I'm going to preach. And we're going to make the enemy pay. But before that, I'll give you guys a little bit of an update. Most of you guys are kind of aware, um, but for those of you that are completely, this is your first time, you're like, what is going on? So first of all, my name is Daniel. I'm the associate pastor here. And I had um, kind of a series of health issues going on, and it culminated in me being really struggling to breathe in January. And um, we went to the, Rachel and I went to the ER, and they said, there is a large mass over your heart on the left side. And they flew me and Rachel to Billings that very night. And uh, I went to Billings, into the Billings Clinic. And um, first of all, received tremendous care there. They've been uh, world-class, um, very, very high quality. And um, I was there for a couple of weeks. The first week, they were literally just making me, like, not utterly miserable while also doing a bunch of testing. And they diagnosed me with B-cell lymphoma, right? Is that the right way of saying it? Okay. A lot of the details, I've kind of been like, what is it again? Which is very treatable. And um, they, they were very encouraging to us. They, they pretty much told us, they're like, you know, chemo is going to knock this out. It's, you know, you, you don't need to, you know, be afraid and that sort of thing. Um, and so we, um, to make a long story short, uh, did a round of chemo, came back home. And we did another round of chemo, and um, we're actually going for our third, my third. Rachel's not getting chemo. I'm getting, th- <laughs> she, but she, she's right there with me. <laughs> Anyways, and so tomorrow, um, Rachel and I are going to go to Billings and do the third round of chemo. Now, what's interesting about this is, I've never heard of this, but the chemo that I'm doing, it's like five days. So, like, it is like a slow drip. So, I am literally strapped to a pole in a bag um, through a port, actually, up here. And so they'll start on Monday and probably end sometime Friday night or Saturday morning. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic, but praise God, I have been prayed over and prayed for by hundreds of people around the world. Many, obviously, are in this room. And quite honestly, some of my greatest prayer warriors are children. And I am moved to tears when I hear stories about little prayer warriors contending because they don't have a junior Holy Spirit and God hears their prayers and I think they pray with more faith than anybody else. So when they pray, I'm like, oh, it's done. I'm good. I'm good. And um, we have had such tremendous support financially, creatively, I mean, I'm just blown away by the creative ways people have thought of how to help us. And I'm like, oh, wow, that was a really good idea. Thanks for, thanks for that. I didn't even think of that. But it's like we have been carried. We have been held. And so we so appreciate every one of you. And for those of you watching online, I know that many of you have, both in my family and um, for, for many friends, have supported us. There, my, my dad told me a story that he, there's a, my dad's a garbage man. And there's a guy on his route that he's kind of been talking to. And this guy's a Christian, goes to a church of, I think, of like 100 people. And he said, yeah, my church is praying for him. We got 100 people, and we're all praying for him. I've been told that there's at least three churches in this town, besides ours, of course, that have prayed for me publicly 
like on Sunday mornings in their church gatherings. Um, the body of Christ is beautiful. The body of Christ is amazing. And we need each other because I couldn't do this myself. And Rachel and our kids couldn't do this ourselves. So we're so thankful. And so I have had very few side effects. I have not been dealing with nauseousness. Um, you know, I've had some swelling, some weird things with my taste buds. But praise God, I can taste the sweet. And the doctors seem kind of con- confused, almost like, really? You can taste sweet? I'm like, yes. People are praying. People are fasting. Well, they're fasting, and I'm feasting. And so there's so much I want to say, but I'll try to, be, try to get on with it. I mean, I'm going to start the sermon. But when I first went in there, they said that the mass was 14.3 centimeters. After my first treatment, it was 8.3. So, so they haven't done any tests on, you know, since then. So, yeah, so we'll start our, uh, we'll go to buildings tomorrow, and I'll do a third treatment. I appreciate all of your prayers, especially the weeks when I'm in there, because sometimes it can be kind of scary when you get a curveball, you know. They're like, all right, now we're going to do this test. Now we're going to puncture this. You're like, oh, I thought we were past this. So, so please pray. Please, please pray. I appreciate it. But one of the things that has been a wonderful thing in prayer, and Rich, you can pull it up now, is we have this thing here at a bunch. Oh, yeah, okay, I'll tell you that. That's good news, too. They've, they've tested a lot of places, and there's no cancer anywhere else. And that, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> they did a lumbar puncture and put chemo into my back, just in case. And then they found out that there was no cancer, and I was ecstatic because it would have been rough to get that all the time. So we have a prayer text team, and if you want to be a part of that team, there's a little QR code you can take to pull out your camera right now on your phone, and you can be on on that. So the night Rachel and I were flown out, we were contacting Kim Eldred, and Kim Eldred was sending that out, and word spread like fire because of that, of that, that QR code. And so, if you want to be a part of that team, you don't just get updates of health things for me, but you find people that are in need and health things and stuff like that, you'll get stuff texted to you randomly at random times and be like, hey, so-and-so is in the hospital, please pray about this situation or whatever. But also, in, in my situation, that is probably one of the best ways to know what's going on with me and Rachel. And then the beautiful thing is, when we've been in the fire we have been able to, in a, in, a, in a moment, put out specific prayer and say, we need prayer, this is going down at 2 o'clock. And then people prayed, and it went so much better than when we didn't have people praying specifically. So um, I'll, I'll leave that up there for a moment, Rich. I'll, I'll pray, just leave it up while I'm praying, uh, but so people can pray with their eyes open and their phones. So all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pray over this message and... Um, and then we're going to dive into the scriptures. So I'm going to have a seat and give my... I am going to pace myself. My wife told me to pace myself. So I got a chair and everything. But I'll, I'll do some walking. Father God, we come before you. And we have come to give you glory. We have come to give you praise and to give you thanks. We honor you, Father God, and we honor your holy word. And now, Lord, we ask that you would speak. All the things, God, that... I want to say, but I don't have time to say, Lord, I pray that you'd fill in the gaps. 
and that you would speak very clearly this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so today I want to talk to you about this idea of what is glory and why does it matter. And you might be thinking to yourself, exactly, what is it and why do I care? Because you might have woken up this morning and you thought to yourself, you know, I'm really curious what glory is. I hope they talk about it at church because that's what I'm really dealing with in my life. But I, uh, I really believe this is a powerful word for a lot of us in the room because um, in November, I was reading a passage in Isaiah chapter 60, and the Lord kind of rocked me. And I have been literally spending months, you know, just trying to study this out, trying to digest what I believe the Lord was saying to me and preparing for this moment. And so we're going to be here for a while because I've had way too long to prepare. But I want to turn in our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 60. And I want to read a couple of verses. Isaiah chapter 60. And it will be on the screen. All right, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. I was reading that one morning, and it's a really good verse, and I've read it a million times. But have you ever had a time where you were reading the Bible, and you read a scripture verse, and the Lord spoke to you out of it, and it actually, in your spirit, you felt the Lord talk to you, but your head is trying to reconcile if that's biblically accurate. Well, when I read that, the latter part of uh, verse 2, it said, the Lord will arise over you, and this this is the key idea, and his glory will be seen upon you. And I was like, God, what I heard the Lord say pretty much was, I want to put my glory on you. I want to share my glory with you. And my spirit was like, believed it all the way, but my head was like, wait a minute. I know there's another scripture verse about this. And so I was trying to process it a little bit. Now, like I said, I've spent a while trying to process this because there's another scripture verse, and it's in Isaiah 42, verse 8. Can you pull that up for me, Rich? And it says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. So, you know, I've always kind of had this mentality of, God will not share his glory with anybody else. And at the exact same time, the Lord was saying, yeah, I want to share it with you. I want to share with my people. I want everybody on this planet to look at you and to see my glory resting upon you. And so, and so as I process through this, the first thing I want you to see there, the context of this verse, you can leave it up, Rich, for, for the moment, is that, Uh, nor my praise to carved images. The context is idolatry. The context is idols, statues, people worshiping a false god or really a demon. 
and giving that demon the credit for what belongs to God. Is taking what belongs to God and giving the credit to an, to an idol. And so the Lord is saying, I will not share my glory with another. And I once heard Bill Johnson, who's a pastor, say, but you're not another. You're, we're his bride. We are one with him, and we are joined with him. You matter to him, and you're special to him. And so as I process through this, I want to pull up another scripture verse to further cement this out of John chapter 17. And this, this verse really helped me know that, like, oh yeah, I am hearing God, right? This is John chapter 17, verse 20. This is Jesus talking. He's talking, this is, uh, he's praying for a lot of things, but he's praying for, for, for believers. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So the context in this moment is, God's not just praying for the 12 disciples. He's not just praying for people in his neck of the woods. He's praying for us. We are believers. We are those who will believe through his word. So he prays for us. Why? Verse 21 says that they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me. So the Father is in Jesus. And I in you. Jesus and the Father are one. Right? That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. We do not come to unity by just trying to be unified. That's not how unity works. Unity comes by being joined with Christ. Becoming one with Christ and in Christ. And then out of our oneness with him, we all become one in him. And out of that oneness with one another and him, the world looks at us and they can recognize, yep, Jesus is legit. Jesus is real. They believe. Verse 22, this is the main verse I wanted to share of this passage. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. It's right there. The glory that the Father gave to Jesus, Jesus has given to believers. Why? That they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So, so we see here that I'm right. <laughs> and that's what matters. <laughs> that God, in all of his glory, wants the world to see his glory resting upon you. That God wants to be so unified with you, so one with you, and the question is, is God, why? Is it because deep darkness covers everything and it's all a mess? Well, that's part of it. But why, God, do you look at little old me with all my problems and all my sins and all my baggage and all the things that I did last week? Why would you want to share that 
with somebody like me. And God says, because I love you, I created you, and I want you to be so one with me that I'm in you and you're in me. It's all about relationship. It is really all about relationship. When you can just not make it about the task, not make it about the work, not make it about so many things that we as Americans struggle with, like productivity, but that we can just, like a father and a son, like a husband and a wife, just enjoy God and let God enjoy us being one. So that's what God wants for us, to come to this deep place of relationship where a lot of other things become secondary. And out of that place of secondary, you shine. You shine. You carry his glory. Super exciting stuff. So, glory, however, what is it? What is glory? It's kind of an abstract thing, I think, for a lot of us. And... Um, I have spent a good deal of time just researching it, and quite honestly, it's, it's, it, there's a ton there. There's so much there. The more you study it, the more overwhelmed you can become. But I try to break it down so your brains don't get too full today with some major uh, ideas here. The first one is, in the Old Testament, the word for glory is the word weighty or heavy. So when we talk about glory, Rach, would you mind handing me my props? Yeah, I'll, I'll do my, I didn't do one at a time using a handheld today, but I'll try to do this here. Yes, I got props today, and they are a little creepy. This is, this is not an idol. You'll see in a minute. You'll see in a minute. So when we say God is glorious, we're saying God's heavy. God's weighty. What does that mean? Well, it means he has density. You know, what I have here in my hand is a, a weight, at least a five-pounder. It's amazing how weak I've become. I need to work out. Um, but this, this fella is small, smaller than this little, this head here. But this head is made of styrofoam. Not much weight to it. So when we say that God is heavy or God is weighty, there's a density, there's a greatness to it. This, this, there's, it, has a, it carries something. So that, you know, I think that in, in a modern context, in our limited, you know, mind, like especially for me with sports, you know, the thing is, is you can be great at something, but it's about it being put on display that people will see it. So, you know, when I think of an athlete, for example, an athlete can just, you know, walk down the road and they, you know, look like a normal person. But when you see, you know, a football game or a basketball game, and you begin, you know, you begin to watch them perform, you begin to see, whoa, they're, they're so talented, they're so gifted, they're so amazing, or whatever. Or maybe you think about, like, a fireman. You don't know, really, the weight or the density of what's inside of that fireman until he goes into a, a building that's on fire. And he risks his life. So we can see here that the thing about this idea of glory is that God lives in glory. God is glorious. But it is, a lot of it has to do with 
the manifestation, it being put on display. The thing about God is God is glorious, but there's kind of needs to be a display. Something needs to happen to reveal or to unveil the greatness that is inside of God. And so, so, so when we talk about this idea, the big, one of the main things you need to understand is when it comes to glory throughout the scriptures, it has to do with greatness that is inside being revealed on the outside. And as we get into this, there's a lot of people that grapple and wrestle with this idea of what is God like? You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Like, you might go to another religion, or you might go to just a random American, or you might go across the world, and if you might get a variety of differences, well, I think God is kind, and I think God is just, and I think God is this, and, you know, we have all of our ideas. But this is, this is the big idea. God is great, and when we talk about glory, we are talking about revealing or manifesting the greatness of who he is. So, so think, think that along the way as we process through this, that God is great, but he needs to be revealed because we don't perfectly see what God is like. In fact, we as Christians who have experienced and encountered God don't fully know how good and how great God is. And when we interact with the world around us, we reveal God. Is this connecting? It's connecting? All right. Now, I want to go to another passage of Scripture. This is Exodus chapter 33. And this is a, a little passage uh, concerning Moses. Now, Moses was very close with God. Moses would talk to God, the Bible says, as a man talks to a friend face to face. And so Moses, out of this place of connection with God, he wants to know more about God. He wants to see what God's like. And so Exodus 33, I'm going to pull it up here. So Exodus 33, verse 18, and he, that's Moses, said to God, please show me your glory. Moses wanted to know, God, show me the essence of who you are. Show me what's inside of you. Show me the weight of who you are. And if you ever, there have been times where I've experienced the glory of God, and it has manifested as weighty. Can anybody relate with that? Where he feels weighty? In all honesty, I've had times where I have experienced the presence of God and I become weak. Like literally, I'm like, I can't hardly stand. I'm like wobbly. That's what happens when what is in the spirit realm, I don't know for lack of a better way of saying it, is manifested in the natural realm. And Moses is in the natural realm. 
And he wants to encounter God in this, you know, the spirit realm. Like, God, I want to know. Let's pull back the curtain. Let's see what you're like. Verse 19. Then he, that's God, said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. What I want you to see here, Moses is like, God, I want to I see your glory. And God says, okay, I'll let you see my goodness. God equates goodness with glory. He equates what makes him glorious is his goodness. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. And the Lord said, here's a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. Now, a little tip. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says that when you see the rock in these Old Testament stories, the rock is representative of Jesus Christ. So he says, you will stand on the rock, that's Jesus, so it shall be, while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock. So I'm going to put you in Christ. And I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So it's amazing to me how you can see here this idea of face, goodness, presence, are all indicators of the glory of God. So God manifests his presence. He's got his face in some capacity. And he's saying, listen, I need to tell you something. You want to see my glory. So I'm going to pass by in all my goodness. But here's the thing. I have to protect you. Because your physical, mortal body cannot handle the weight of my glory. You cannot handle my goodness. My goodness is so good, it could kill you. It could fry you. It's too much power. You will be barbecued. So I'm going to put my hand, I'm going to let you see a glimpse, I'm going to do all these things because I am so weighty, so much density. And I think that there's a lot of us that could say, yeah, I know, I've read the Bible, God is good, and we say things like God is good all the time. But the reality is, is there are moments in our lives where God reveals his goodness to us. And you kind of are like, I, it kind of blows your mind. It's like, it's like your mind is like, whoa, I can't believe he did that. You know, maybe it was a miracle. Maybe it was a healing. Maybe you prayed a prayer and it was answered that day. Or maybe it was something that didn't even really matter, you know, in the grand scheme of the universe. But God did it just for you because he loves you. And you just get a, a, a special touch from God knowing God loves me. And I have had, personally, and I, I know that I'm not alone in this, I have had encounters with God where he, he, oh, I just was like, oh my gosh. You, like, God just drew so near to me. 
Maybe it was in worship or or whatever it was. God became so close, I began to see his goodness. And in those moments, I have to remember them. In those moments, when you you encounter God's goodness, you are responsible responsible for that for the rest of your life. I, I have, you know, gone through some good things and obviously some hard things. But I have kept my, one of the ways I've kept myself on track is I know what God is like. I know who he is. Why? Because he showed himself to me. He showed me his glory. And when God shows you his glory, you hold on to that. And you steward that. And when things look like, God, I feel like you're not doing a good job right now. You remember, no, no, I've encountered him. I remember that day, I was on my knees, I was in worship, and in that moment, I saw God. And I, I'm going to count on him, because that's who he is, no matter what. So we're going to count on God's goodness. And then another thing I want to look at that, that kind of talks about God's glory is found in Luke chapter 9. And this is the Mount of Transfiguration. Verse 28. So, this is Jesus here. Now it came to pass, about eight days after these sayings, that he, that's Jesus, took Peter, John, and James, and went up on the mountain to pray. As he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered, and his robe became white and glistening. So Jesus looks different. I've always thought about the disciples in this moment. Like, what a scary, scary moment. I'm just like, I would be freaking out. And behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah. I'm like, I'm always wondering, like, how do they know it was Moses and Elijah? Did they just have, like, a distinct look? look, Or did Jesus tell them, or did they just call them by their name? So Jesus is looking different. He is glowing And he is talking to dead people. Who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were fully awake, which I'm sure they were woken up, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Then it happened as they were parting from him that Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. What he's saying is, Peter didn't know what to say, so he just talked. That's what we do. We're like, I don't know what to talk. Verse 34, while he was, uh, saying, while he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them. Like, it couldn't get any more crazy. Now it's getting all smoky and cloudy-ish. And they were fearful as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. I'm like, whoa. Wow. I'm sure it sounded more like that. Yeah. So, but then in Matthew 17, I want you to see this. Verse 2. Pull it up, Rich. It says, And he, that's Jesus, was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. So, in the book of Luke, it uses the word glory, 
in the book of Matthew, it talks about light, shining like the sun. That's quite the, that's quite the brightness. I mean, if you look at the sun, don't do it. It's, it's going to be bright. <laughs> yeah. So Jesus is glorious. Jesus is bright. He is shining. And what is light? Well, there's probably a lot of elements that I don't even know. But the thing about darkness is if you've ever been in a dark place and maybe stubbed your toe or walked into a wall, you know that darkness keeps you from the ability to see. And when you're walking in the dark and you stumble, you don't know what caused you to stumble. So if you follow that through with light... When light happens, it brings the ability to see, and you can navigate where you need to go, what you need to do, and how to move forward. You know, hopefully we're not, you know, running into walls all the time in the middle of the day. And the thing is, if you follow this through in a spiritual principle, when people are walking in darkness, they don't know where they're going, or if we ever walked in darkness... We didn't know what we were stumbling over. Why do I always find myself... You know, you fill in the blank. Why do I always find the wrong people? Why do I keep making the same mistakes? Why do I do it over and over? Because when you're in the dark, you don't even realize what you're stumbling over. You might know you're stumbling, but you can't see it. But when you walk in the light, you're like, well, I can see why you're stumbling. I can see why I would stumble too if I walked into that thing. Because I can see. So glory brings light. It gives us the ability to see. So when you experience God's glory or God's manifested presence, one of the things that comes with it is understanding. It gives you the ability to perceive, to see, to know what to do. When God encounters you, you're like, I mean, depending on how he chooses to reveal himself, you know, you go, and at least I've done this, God, where are you? I feel so alone. I'm depressed. I'm this. I'm that. I'm in, a, I'm in a pit. But then he shows up. What happens when he shows up? All of a sudden, I have peace. Everything's going to be okay. I can, I can see clearly. God, I didn't understand what you were doing. But now I'm beginning to see that this, this is going to be all right. This, I can see what you're up to. I can see the work of your fingers. So there is something to be said for when God manifests his presence in our lives. And he shows us who he is. We begin to trust him and say, all right, you got this. And we begin to know how to move forward. So those were the, the, three, the big three, I would say. That when you look at the Bible, actually there are probably three of the four, but I don't have time to go into the fourth because it'll take forever, but I will mention it. So the first is God's glory. God is weighty. God is goodness in and of itself. And God is light. He brings clarity. God is also revealed through many, many different experiences in the Bible, and I don't have time to go into all of them. But just a couple of them are fire, smoke, Lightning, people falling down. And, but actually, the number one that I'm not going to go too into because it's just so much to it is miracles. Miracles 
are how God reveals who he is. It's interesting to me, and I don't, I don't have the answers for this, but in John chapter 2, Jesus turns water into wine. Probably one of the most confusing things of all that Jesus did. Because in the big scheme of things, I just don't know if it moved the needle that much. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was symbolic, it was prophetic, but in the, in the big scheme of things, I'm more impressed, you know, with dead people coming out of tombs. I just felt like that helps move the needle. But Jesus' mother apparently feels like it is important, and it does move the needle. And so Jesus turns water into wine because his mom makes him. And he, and it says in, in John chapter 2, it says, this was the first display of, of his glory. Jesus has been around 30 years and it says this is the first time he displayed his glory. So he revealed his goodness, his greatness, his weightiness, what he's like by turning water into wine. So when you go through the gospels, you're going to begin to see a connection if you are reading the Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You will see that every, not every time, but very often, they connect a miracle or a healing with God's glory. It's all over the place. So, so now that we've kind of got a little bit of an idea of, of Isaiah chapter 60, we talked about the glory earlier. I want to come back to Isaiah 60. And I want us to take the context of some of what we've looked at. And let's see how this applies. Why does this matter? Now, in full disclosure, Isaiah chapter 60, many would view as um, the return of Christ, the new Jerusalem, the end of the world, and you know, you know all the all the good stuff that we we long for, and but I so I definitely believe that Isaiah sixty does apply to the return of Christ, and I'm looking forward to that. But I believe that is the full culmination of it. But I believe right now it's still this verse still applies to us. So in Isaiah sixty, I want you to see here in verse one it says, "Arise, comma." Shine. Arise. Which when I see the word arise, I see that you take your place. Stand up and arise and shine. Why? Why should we, as the people of God, shine? Because your light has come. I think that, I think for a lot of us, we don't feel very shiny. I know I haven't. When you go through, you know, things, you don't feel strong. You don't feel powerful. And I think that I can relate with, I can relate with, with, with all of this. You know, I, I remember, you know, last month just looking in the mirror, feeling extremely weak, extremely unhealthy, stuck to a pole, and I looked in the mirror and I saw myself. And when I looked at myself, I did not look like myself. I looked like a shell of myself. 
And this is going through my head. Arise, shine. And I'm like, I'm like, arise and survive. And I know that a lot of us could say, yeah, I'm living in survival. I'm, I'm just barely making it. Listen to me. That's, I, I, I totally get it, and there's nothing wrong with surviving, making it through another day. But listen, you, are, you have been given more. You have been given more. And I believe this morning that it's very important that we understand, how do I say this? When you read a passage of Scripture, there are some Scriptures that just talk about what, it, what a truth or a reality or something that's been done to you that you don't have to do anything about. And then there's other scripture verses that are all about the application. What is the application of this passage? How does this apply to me? This is what God did, but what do I need to do? This is what was done unto me, but this is what I need to do with it. And there's nothing in here that says, all right, you need to rise and shine. But if you don't feel like it, you need to pray that God would give you some of his glory. No, you already got it. You may say, well, I don't feel it. Well, that doesn't mean it wasn't given to you. How you feel, it doesn't matter. In fact, it's in those moments that you need to arise because you're not arisen. You're sitting on your butt and you're not feeling so great about it. But the Lord is saying to you, listen, your light has come. And some people are like, well, that's the end of the world. Listen, it says in a little bit, deep darkness the people. When Jesus is on the planet, there will not be deep darkness. Right now is the deep darkness. Right now is when you need to shine. So the Lord is saying to us as his people today, you need to know who you are. You need to know what has been given to you. And you need to go beyond your emotions and the, your lifestyle and where you've already been. I'm calling you up to a higher place because I'm sharing my glory with you. But if you don't believe that, you will act out of that. We have to take what the word of the Lord is and we stand on that rock. The word of the Lord is true. It goes above every feeling, emotion, and experience. There's a lot of things I don't understand, but this is what I do understand. This word can be relied upon. It can be. So arise and shine. Your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles, now, when you see Gentiles in the Old Testament, it's really talking about people that are far from God. So in verse 3, it says, The Gentiles shall come to your light. That means we will attract. When God puts his glory on us, people will see something on you that will attract them to you. This is not maybe. This is a, a guarantee. And then he goes on, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. So we do have to rise. 
And I believe here that kings doesn't just represent, you know, you know, the king of England or whatever. I believe this represents your boss, your teacher, people in leadership roles. You will, you know, a lot of times the body of Christ has lost a lot of favor by standing on street corners and pointing at people and being critical on Facebook and shooting off our mouth. We, that's not shining. Shining, you kind of don't have to do a lot. You know what I'm saying? I mean, shining, yes, you, you, I mean, you know, when you go and you help other people in need, you shine. When you go and you serve other people, when you encourage other people, when you're looking out for other people, like, you shine. That's, when, and when you shine, you attract. And you will attract people of influence. Let's see where I am. Verse 4. Okay, thanks for the help. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. I think there's some parents in this room. Listen, when you shine, God's going to bring your kids back. Verse 5. Then you shall see. I love that. Then you'll see. He's like, you need to look. Lift up your eyes in verse 4 and see. Verse 5 says, then you shall see and become radiant. And your heart shall swell with joy. Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. Yes, God's glory will attract wealth. God's glory will attract promotions. God's glory will get you jobs that you're not even qualified for. I know that, you know, there's a lot of, you know, confrontation about health and wealth. And, but the reality is, is that, when the glory of the Lord is upon you, you have favor. And the reality is, let's just be honest, we're uncomfortable with it. Super uncomfortable with it. You know, when you start having other people favor you, you kind of want to be like, you know, no, I'm not that good. Don't, don't look at me. Don't look at me, you know. And I, and I believe that there is a place. There is a place. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's kind of a tricky dynamic because... I think a lot of times the Lord's like, I'm giving you favor. I'm opening doors. I'm, people look at you and they say yes to you and they say no to the other person. And we're like so uncomfortable with favor. We're so uncomfortable with that glory because no, no. You know, I, I need to be humble. I don't like this. And, and it feels like so self-serving. And, 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 and on the one hand, there can be, there can be a self-serving to it. I mean, if you... If, the temptation is to, God, I need you. God, I need you. God, please help me. And God's like, shazam. And everything, you know, goes great for you. And you get favor and you become a rock star. And then you start to think you did it. And you kind of start forgetting your need for God. So there is, there is a temptation there to take God's blessings, whether it's wealth, and depend upon those things or rely on those things, or to think that we did it. But on the other hand, the other temptation is to take God's gifts, to take God's blessing, and to push that aside and not use it. But the reality is, is 
Both are stealing God's glory. Both are. If God puts his glory on you and you make it all about you, you're stealing his glory. That's not why he put it on you. But if you take the glory of God and you put it under a basket because you feel uncomfortable, you're stealing his glory. Why? Because it wasn't given to you just for you. It was given to you so you can reveal to a hurting world a good God. And you can help people. If you have wealth, you can help people. If you get a promotion, you can serve people under you. You can take the blessings and reveal, listen, this is what God is like. This world is hurting and they need to know what a loving God looks like. Verse 6, multitude of camels shall cover your land. I, if that happens, that would be pretty fun. You know, just get camels all over Montana. I'm kind of guessing that's not, maybe not so literal <coughs> for us anyways, but we'll receive that, Lord, too. Camels are fun. The, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come, and they shall bring gold and incense, and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. They're giving you the gold, but they're praising your God. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together to you. The rams of Nebaioth, how do you say the thing, shall minister to you. They shall ascend with acceptance on my altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. I like that. I will glorify the house of my glory. I believe, I believe that is the body of Christ. I believe individually and collectively. Who are these who fly like a cloud and like doves to their roosts? Surely the coastlands shall wait for me. They'll wait for God. And the ships of Tarshish will come first to bring your sons from afar, their silver and their gold with them, to the name of the Lord your God, and to the Holy One of Israel. I love this. Because he has glorified you. God has glorified you. God is not just going to glorify you. God has glorified you. Katie, you want to come up here? I'm, uh, wow, what a great day. This is so fun. This is so fun. You guys were a great audience. So I just want to reiterate, because I know, I know you've heard it from several times. But there is something to be said for repetition. Repetition is powerful and getting it to stick. Yes. <laughs> you were a school teacher. <laughs> but the Lord has arisen upon the Lord has shined upon you, but we have to believe it. When and the most important time to believe it is when you don't feel like it. The Lord loves you. The Lord really does enjoy you. And he enjoys oneness with you. Um, in just a moment, Isaac's going to come up here and he's going to close the service. Uh, when I talked to my wife about doing this, she was kind of like, well, you can speak, but you can't talk to people. Because she's like, you've got to conserve your energy. So I will have to talk to y'all another time. 
Isaac, you want to come up here? Isaac's going to close out the service. Nice work. Oh, it's so good to have him back. Amen. God's glory is amazing. It's not for yourself, though. Amen. That's my biggest takeaway. Share his glory. He shared it with you so that you can share it. (laughs) Amen. Think about ways to be goodness in this world. Think about ways to shine your light. Put these things into practice. Apply it. Do something with it. And then go read Isaiah 60 and chew on it for months like Daniel did. (laughs) Amen. I'm going to pray. And God, we... We just thank you for your glory. God, your glory is, it is weighty. I feel it here right now. It's tangible. It's not like nothing. There isn't an essence to it. It's there. It's real. It's not just some concept but it's a real thing. And God, I pray that when we feel your glory, when we see your glory, that it would motivate us to share your glory with the world, to show your goodness everywhere we go, that wherever we go, we would take you with us. And that the things that we do, God, the, the, the choices we make, the life that we live, that we would remember that you are with us. That the way that we live would be different than the world because we'd know the king is here, right next to me. He's living inside me. He's residing in me. And I want to live a life that glorifies him and not myself. God, Help us to just put this into practice. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have an awesome Sunday, you guys.